really a very powerful song. Um, I kind of said after first service today uh, that sometimes music sort of hits you differently. I don't know if that's true for you, but sometimes different different songs just um, just speak differently to our lives and maybe where we are. And uh, and that was just one of those today for me that just reminds us, obviously, the words of Scripture out of Proverbs, that it, it's in the shadow of his wings that we find sh- shelter and safety uh, in, in this world. So uh, A few months ago, uh, we asked you to kind of share your thoughts and opinions on, on a survey um, where we affirmed our, our leaders. And I'd like to ask any of those leaders that are here, we had some that were at first service. You can come up here, you and your spouses, make your way up here. Uh, to the stage, if you don't mind. Um, we just want to kind of uh, put these people in front of you and offer a time of prayer over them. Um, we have some, some, new, uh, some new leaders and some more seasoned leaders, I think is the correct, uh, correct term we're supposed to use. Not allowed to say old anymore, uh, you know, apparently, even though a lot of them are old, but whatever. Um, <laughs> they've never sat here before, yeah. Um, so over here we have we have Emily on this side. She's joining us as one of our new leaders. Uh, Jennifer, she's uh, she's been a leader for about uh, three or this is her fourth year now. Uh, April, right here, she's uh, five year. Uh, Ed's uh, five year. Jason is uh, seven years uh, serving uh, on our team. And the only one we're missing is is Matt and Monty. Uh, they were at our at our first service. Uh, but I want to tell you something about these uh, these people. They have the hardest job because they've got to keep all the pastors in line, right? Um, but it's also the humblest job at our church. Sometimes we confuse that leadership is the greatest role, and yet it is um, the most servant-hearted role at our church. These are the people that have to give up the most, and we spend many hours, as some of them will find out today. Uh, Brad told one of our first-time leaders today at our first service, he said, how long is this meeting going to be? And he said, I would kiss your wife. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so you guys are going to be, uh, you guys are going to learn pretty quick, but uh, the, the thing that I love about that is we don't just come together for five or ten minutes and make decisions. We are prayerful and we talk through things, and sometimes that takes a lot of time. And so I'm very honored to, uh, to serve with all of these people. I just want to offer a moment of prayer, of affirmation as they serve as leaders in this new year. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you so much just for the opportunity we have uh, to serve in your church together. Uh, thank you that you call us to be leaders, but that you remind us uh, that to be leaders means to try to be the most Christ-like in our challenging times. God, I just pray that as we have a great year in 2022, as we step forward into some new projects, uh, some scary things, but some exciting and wonderful things, that you would give us your spirit. Uh, Father, that you would give each of our leaders and their families an extra measure, uh, that you would just give them great insight and wisdom as to how best to lead as you would lead. So, Father, I just thank you for each of them. Thank you for what they mean in my life. Thank you that we get to serve together. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would do amazing and wonderful things uh, through all of us this year and ultimately through Journey Church. We thank you for this church. We thank you that we get to be a part of something special. And we ask that you would walk with us and lead us and use us however you see fit. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus and the church together said. Amen. Would you welcome them with me, please? Thank you, guys. I started a a little mini-series last week, um, which was a little play on the words uh, that we say often, uh, never give up. And I kind of retitled it to say, just give up, which I think is maybe where where a lot of us feel. A lot of us feel maybe 
uh, in the midst of this. And we're going to talk through uh, maybe some ways that we can do that. I do want to let you know that in two weeks from today, uh, January 23rd and January 30th, uh, those are both Sunday mornings, we are going to be talking uh, about Shift 22, some of the things that are changing and happening at our church uh, over the course of 2022 and beyond. There's some big changes coming. There's some building projects. There's a lot of stuff, and so we're going to kind of have a, a congregational or a family meeting on that, on that Sunday. Uh, also, many of the comments and questions that you guys submitted on SurveyMonkey uh, when you were affirming our leaders, we're going to deal with some of those as well. We're also going to have a time where you can type in some questions that you maybe want answered as we share what we are trying to do as a church. Now, the biggest change is that there's only going to be one service on those two Sundays, and they're going to be at 10 a.m. Now, I know for the 930 crowd, it's not going to matter. They're just going to be a little early. Uh, you guys need to take note of that. We will send you out a text. So if you got a text yesterday from the church talking about the construction, you will get a text. We'll also send out an email. This is why it's important for you to fill out the connection card. Because if you come at 11 o'clock, we will excommunicate you from the church. From no, I'm just kidding. We, we won't do that. You can just write us a check and we'll be fine. Um, but uh, we want to make sure that everybody's here and we're going to have one forum so that everybody is communicated uh, at the same time over those two weeks. And you will be able to participate in that as well. Uh, we talked about this idea last week of, of just giving up. And maybe that's not the, the, the notion that you want uh, as we start the new year. But we kind of started by talking about sometimes it is good to give up. Sometimes giving up is a good thing. Now, this, is, this should not be a life value that you look at every situation and go, hey, how quickly can I give up? But I think that there are points in our lives where we have to take assessment and decide at what point do I need to stop putting resources or stop giving attention or stop giving time to this thing? At what point do I need to kind of draw a line and say, that's about as far as I need to go? Uh, we talked about this passage of Scripture. We talked about it in James last week, but I want to read the one in 1 Peter chapter 4 that says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and He will lift you up in due time. Or maybe a better translation, He will lift you up in His time. And we talked about this idea or this concept that we spend a lot of our lives uh, trying to be somewhere. We, we, we try to, to push ourselves to be in a particular place at a particular time. Maybe it's, maybe it's a job or maybe it's a relationship or whatever it might be. Do you ever find that we spend a lot of time deciding where we think we should be and then it almost, doesn't go, it almost never goes well? But the Bible tells us that when we wait for God's timing, when we are patient, He will put us where we need to be when we need to be there. We talked through, this is just a little recap. If you want to listen to the full sermon, you can. It's on our podcast and website, etc. But talked last week about admitting the realities of our lives. Admitting the realities of, okay, where am, I, wh where am I in my life? What do I need to keep doing? What do I want? What do I need to maybe let go of? And that really the basis of faith starts with acknowledging self-insufficiency. The whole basis of faith is saying, I cannot do this on my own. I need God to help me to do it. Th that's, that's how all of us come to faith, that moment of realization when we say, I cannot do this, I need your help. And that acknowledging our self-insufficiency gives God some healthy space in our lives. Now, when, when we live our lives and we give God some space, this leads to a few things. It leads to forgiveness. It also leads to redemption. What that means is it leads us to realize 
where we could do things differently. It also leads us to redemption about stepping into the calling that God has placed on our lives. And that when we accept forgiveness and redemption, we start to see God's will. It opens up our lives to see God's will. And that when we start living in God's will, it gives us hope and purpose in the way that we live. And like I said, look, I said all those things last week, and I fleshed them out. If you want to hear them, you can go and listen to that sermon. But this is kind of the idea of the Christian walk. But I want to take a pause this morning, and I want to begin with confession. Now, confession is something that we almost treat like it's a, a bad or dirty word in our churches. Like confession, it means, it means like you're going to be saying something that, that you really, people don't really want to hear or you don't want to say. But I want to start maybe with, with me. The past couple years have probably been some of the hardest as a pastor. Because you spend a lot of time making decisions that most people don't like. Even though you're trying to be protective and you're trying to keep your people safe, a lot of people don't like it. And people are very quick to share their disagreement or their criticism because they didn't win or they didn't get something the way that they thought you should have, you should have, have done that. It's also been a hard time for our pastors. We've had to encourage each other over the course of the last two years because every week we try to prepare and do our best. And some weeks you would have kind of some good, some good attendance and other weeks it would just plummet. A- and it would frustrate us. We're like, why are people not coming? And we'd have to encourage each other. Sometimes I'd have to tell them, hey, we're just going to do it with the people that are here. And they'd have to say to me, hey, stop worrying about the numbers. And we've had to change the way that we've seen some things. The last couple of years have just been hard on a personal level. Uh, for those of you that know my health story, hopefully we're coming to the end of that and, and, and going to move forward. Our house has also been filled with grief for the last a uh, little more than a year. We've had some challenges. A- and some of those I've tried to share along the way, but they've been hard years. And you think to yourself, do I really want to do this? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that to, to, to freak you out or make you feel insecure or something. But the reality is any pastor that's worth their salt has had those thoughts. Uh, I've lost some friendships this last year because of some decisions that I made. I have some regret on some decisions that I made. I wish I'm like, ah, I wish I could have done that differently. I wish I'd waited a little longer. I wish I'd acted a little sooner. I wish I'd said this or not said that. And all of us, as we take stock of our lives, feel that way. Uh, About 20 years ago, I don't know if that's actually true, but probably in the last 20 years, uh, this information has been a little bit more prolific. In the United States, on average, in a given year, 1,500 pastors stop pastoring every month. 18,000 pastors. Now, some of that, granted, is retirement or people moving into the next phase. But about 18,000 pastors a year stop doing full-time ministry. That's just a statistic. In the last two years, that number has spiked between 2,400 and 2,600 a month. Pastors that say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm doing my best to lead people, and all I'm getting is is kind of this hatred, this criticism, this critique. There's also been some other very fascinating statistics in the last few years. This year, there was a poll done that said only 63% of Americans now claim that they believe in God. It used to be in the 90s, 
in the, in the 1990s, and it's kind of slowly come down. We kind of know that. It also says that of that 63% that say that they believe in God, less than 25% attend church regularly. Our world is changing. Our world is shifting. And the last couple of years, ha- we've seen a dive in a lot of those things. What does that mean? It means that our churches are going to get smaller. Now, maybe the silver lining is it also means that our churches are going to get stronger. Because the people that are coming and the people that want to be there absolutely really want to be there. But we have to take stock of our lives. I, I have no problem admitting to you that over the last couple of years, I've felt a little lost. Not spiritually, not between me and God, but sometimes you feel like you're just flying in the dark and you're doing the best you can, but you just feel like there's this fog around you and no matter what you do, you face this wall of critique and criticism and negativity. I think all of us in this room, we have to sit down and say, okay, what has been, what has been taken from me? What do I have to give up? What do I need to carry? All of us have hurts after this, things we wish we had done differently, and that's where the power of confession is, is important. To say, hey, where are we? We need to take stock of that. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm a great pastor. I, I I'm not saying that because I need you to pat me on the back and tell, tell me I'm awesome. I mean, every now and then we find, but you know, you don't have to do it all the time. That's not, that's not what this is about. It's not about insecurity, but, but you start to build these insecurities. I'll give you an example. Um, last week, I preached the first part of this, this sermon. And I went home, I talked to Haley, and I said, I really didn't do that well today. And then my phone and email blew up with people saying, good job, it really spoke to me. And I'm like, were you listening? So I, I've come to be convinced that God has bestowed upon me the Pentecostal gift of speaking in tongues, because somehow, whatever I say, he changes before you hear it, and you hear something different than I actually said. I would love to know what you hear today. (laughs) But there's power in God working. God working in our brokenness, in our lostness. In fact, I would argue that that's where God works the best. And if we know our weaknesses and our difficulties, God can do his work. So let's start from here. Let's just start a new year from here. I do want to make a proclamation, and that is that we are living in a new world of what I call neo-atheism and neo-agnosticism. Now, these sound like big words. Uh, Theism means to believe in God. So everybody in this room is a theist. If you're an atheist, that doesn't mean you're an anti-theist. It doesn't mean you're always against God. It just means you don't really consider God as a part of your life. You, You don't really believe in all the stories. If you're an agnostic, gnostic, or the word gnosis in Greek, which means knowledge, It means that not you are anti-knowledge, but you don't use that knowledge. A lot of people say, I believe in God, but I'm not going to use that to decide how I should live. And subsequently, faith has lost its appeal, and society no longer defines life by faith now. If you ask people, who are you, very few of them will say, I am a God-fearing Christian first. Most will say, well, I'm an accountant, or I'm a parent, or I'm a spouse, or I'm a parent. People do not define their lives by faith. They do not start with the priority of faith. And it's very evident. It's very evident that people don't want to necessarily pursue faith in the same way that they used to. This is what we saw decades ago in Europe. People stepped away from faith. You can walk into these beautiful cathedrals, and there are 15 people that meet in a building that holds 2,000. It's happening in our world today. There's a change 
that's coming. Faith no longer has the priority that it once did. But you might ask, why is faith so, so difficult? In Philippians chapter 2, here's another confession. What a great age to get to. I had to go and buy a large print Bible this week. I got words, but I won't say them. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is why faith is hard. Because faith is about admitting weakness and giving up something, uh, and about sacrificing something. And our world is not really into that, are they? We're not into admitting how weak we are or where we struggle. We're not willing to give things up. Notice that when Paul writes this to the Philippian church, he doesn't say, treat people as equal to yourself. That would have been okay. He says, treat other people as if they're better than you. I'm not doing that. If, that what, if that's what faith, faith requires, I'm definitely not defining my life that way. And I think we can, we can resonate with that. We feel that. We have that, that sense. And this is what Jesus commits to his disciples constantly. If we look at Luke chapter 9, he says to his disciples, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Jesus told us, he warned us that this would be hard. The reason why people don't want to define their lives by faith is because faith requires selflessness. It requires you to not be the center of your story. I think our world, we know very well, that's hard for us to give up, to step aside and say, God first, and then, oh, let me take another step, and others next, and I'm at the end of the line. That's why leadership is not something, something that people think they want until they get into it, and then they realize, actually, no. But the word of hope today is this, giving up is not just good, it is beautiful and powerful and freeing. When all that pressure of who you think you're supposed to be goes away, something beautiful emerges in the ashes, so to speak. You see, when we're willing to give up, that's where we find God. Because I find in my own life, God doesn't always just live on the mountain. He lives in the valley. That's where I tend to meet him the most. Sometimes that's the greatest challenge, isn't it? Is to allow God to work in the valleys of our lives. I think a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us feel a little lost. A lot of us feel like, how am I going to put my life back together? You can look at life and you can say, I've failed, or you can say I've learned. I thought about something this week, and I haven't fully developed it yet, so please bear with me. 
But one of the great dangers that I see in our culture and in our lives today is that our excuses are going to become our values. We have spent so much time making excuses and putting up barriers that now we don't even realize it, but that's how we start. We look at things with suspicion or with negativity or with criticism. And I think it's time that we give up some of those excuses. I've heard, I've heard them all. And it's not, a, it's not a critique of you. But I've heard people say this, well, we're just, we're just scared. Well, then I don't want to see you at Walmart if you're so scared. Well, I, I work all week. So, you know, Saturday and Sunday are the only days that I have off with my family. But I see you at restaurants. Why not, why not participate in something that really matters with your family? Well, we've got to work. Don't even get me started on sports. My kid's in sports now. We're, we're going to have to have those conversations. But the reality is this. We need to decide what the priority of our life is. And we need to stop looking back. We need to start looking forward. Because a lot of us probably feel like we're not quite sure where we, where we and God are. And yet when you hand God your mess, <laughs> when you hand him your weakness, you will find him. And he will begin to do what we cannot do on our own. And so maybe today there's something we need to confess to God. Maybe there's something we need to confess to, to each other. Maybe it's our, our fuse and how short it's gone over the, gotten over the last couple of years. You find you're yelling at your kids more. I know we are. You find that things annoy you a lot more. I think everybody feels that way. We're all on edge. And maybe that's now become a standard on how we're living our lives. And we need to undo that. We need to start giving value to the things that really matter. And stop allowing our excuses to become our values. So maybe right now, maybe just between you and God, maybe this is a moment to start your year. Maybe there's something you need to release or give up. Maybe you know you've overstepped a boundary or said something you shouldn't have or done something you shouldn't have. And you know you need to make that right, but Today, you just need to release it to God first. And let him take your life. Let him take this year. Let him take everything else. And start to forge and form it into who he wants you to be. God loves messy people. <laughs> just give him your mess. today, just pray that you would hear our hearts, that you would just work in our lives, and allow us to just see that we are good enough, even though we're broken and lost, 
Father, if there's a hundred decisions we wish we had made differently, God, I just pray for your forgiveness in the midst of that, that we can start over. That's the beauty of our relationship with you. Father, there's something wonderful about a new year. We feel like the last year is gone and we can start fresh, but your, your promise to us says that every morning is new. Every moment is new. May we just step towards that and into that today. And thank you for calling us to this place. Thank you that we get to be a part of a church community that, that wants to put you first, that's committed to your purpose and your will in this place. Father, we know above all that you are the one who defends our lives. You're the one that goes before us. You're the one that does magnificent things through us and in us. We pray that you would have your way, that we would see your will this week. Please bless us. Please help us. Please guide us. Make us yours. We pray through Jesus.